بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم We continue the explanation of the book known as Al-Qawl Al-Bufid Sharhu Kitab Al-Tawheed The Beneficial Sayings and the explanation of the book of Tawheed The author Sheikh Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab Rahimahullah in the chapter 12 of his book he said chapter من الشرك النذر لغير الله the, from the shirk is to make vows to other than Allah meaning to vow to others besides Allah is an act of shirk and then he cited the following evidences he cited the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Insan, chapter 76, verse 7. They are those who fulfill their vows and they fear a day whose evil will be widespreading. And also he cited the verse in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 270. And whatever you spend for spendings in charity, etc., or whatever vow you make, be sure Allah knows it. And for the polytheists, oppressors, etc., there are no helpers. And also, from the Sunnah, the Shaykh Rahimahullah cited the authentic hadith from Aisha. May Allah be pleased with her that the Messenger وسلم, said, Man nadara an Allah falyuta'ah, wa man nadara an Allah falayasih. Whoever vows to obey Allah, let him obey him. And whoever vows to disobey Allah, must not disobey him. These are the evidences, and now to the explanation. Another, which is known as vows, or vow, linguistically it means an iltizam, which means holding to something, adhering to. This is the linguistic meaning of another. And the legal meaning, the shari meaning, is to for the person to make it binding upon himself a certain matter that is not obligated by the uh, sharia in origin. This is the definition of uh, of another, the nether. And the ruling, what's the ruling of an, on another? What's the Islamic ruling? The majority of the scholars is that it is disliked, it is makruh to make a vow. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam naha anil nadr forbade making vows and said that it does not bring good. This forbiddance by the majority of the scholars was taken to mean the forbiddance of karaha, of dislike, being disliked meaning known as a forbiddance to keep away from staying away being far removed from making vows 
this is what the majority of the scholars are upon. Some of them, may Allah's mercy be upon all of them, uh, took the opinion that the establishment of the vow is forbidden. It is in it is forbidden meaning haram unlawful and from them is Al Imam al Sanani Rahimahullah in his book on the explanation of Mulug al Maram which is known as Subul al Salam and Shaykh al Islam Ibn Taymiyyah Rahimahullah Uh, is inclined is inclined to the saying that it is haram why because the prophet sallallahu forbade it and he said as in sahih muslim the prophet sallallahu said don't make vows and that the origin of the forbidden here is directed towards it being unlawful. Since the Prophet ﷺ also, in another narration, made it clear that it does not bring good. And that in Sahih al-Bukhari, uh, volume 8, Hadith 77, the Prophet ﷺ uh, forbade vowing and said, in fact, vowing does not prevent anything, but it makes a miser spend his property. It makes a miser uh, spend his property. Volume 8. Uh, book 77, Hadith 605. And also because the one who makes a vow and does not fulfill it and does not fulfill it uh, he falls into regret and then you find him going, knocking the doors of scholars or calling them, find, trying to find a way out. And what may indicate the unlawfulness of the vow is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah An-Nur 24-53. وَأَقْسَمُوا بِاللَّهِ جَهْدَ أَيْمَانِهِمْ لَإِنْ أَمَرْتَهُمْ لَيَخْرُجُنْ قُلْ لَا تُقْسِمُوا طَاعَةٌ مَعْرُوفَةٌ They swear by Allah their strongest oaths that if only you would order them, they would leave. Meaning their homes in fighting in Allah's cause. What did Allah say? He said, لَا تُقْسِمُوا Swear you not. Ta'atun ma'rufa. Obedience of yours is known to be false. So, this is a an oath which is asserted and so it resembles the vow. And so Allah said, alaykum so you swear without making the oath and the person who does not make the obedience except by making vows or swears upon himself then this indicates that the obedience is heavy upon him is heavy heavy weight a burden also because it involves a corrupt creed. 
corruption in the creed. Well, in what sense? It is like as if Allah does not answer the invocation of someone except until he makes a vow. And this is existing with many people. But we know that there is nothing that forces Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for anything. So it is as if the person does not have a trust in Allah. So it is like a conviction that Allah does not give him healing except that he offers something to him in compensation like. And that's why you find them when they become desperate concerning healing, they go and make vows. And this is an ill opinion in Allah. This is an ill opinion in Allah. Now, if someone asks the question, uh, how could... Uh, someone consider it to be forbidden when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises those who fulfill their vows the answer is Allah described them in this verse yufuna bin nadri as we heard in the beginning they are those who fulfill their vows so Allah praised them You understand? So the answer, the praise here is, the praise is for the fulfillness of the vows. The praise is for the fulfillness, fulfilling the vow. Not on the establishment of the vow, not on the initiation. You see the difference? You see the difference? Okay, Allah is praising them and saying here they fulfill their uh, they fulfill their vows. So this is praising them. They are those who fulfill their vows and they fear a day whose evil will be widespreading. So Allah is praising them for their fulfillment, but not on their establishment of the vow in the first place. Nothing is mentioned about this. It means that if, when they make a vow, they fulfill it. And since they fulfill it, they are praised for them. Or it could be said that what is meant in this verse by the vows refers to the general acts of obedience. Not the particular types of vows. And if we say by this, then there is no problem. So, what is forbidden or considered to be strongly disliked is the establishment of the vow in the beginning. And there is a difference between establishing it and fulfilling it. The establishment is an initiation and the fulfillment comes next, an execution of what is established. And you see now the difference between the two. Is that clear? Now what's the difference? What's the difference between the vow and the oath? What's the difference between the vow and the oath? First difference. The vow is established by the person to Allah. Meaning the person intends this to be an act of obedience that draws him nearer to Allah, to be closer to Allah. As to the oath, the person intends in it is mere assertion. Is mere assertion. The second difference 
is that the vow is forbidden according to the stronger opinion and strongly disliked or strongly disliked while the oath may be obligatory may be permissible may be praiseworthy the third the third difference is that the vow it's inevitable to execute in case of obedience so it is not uh, deferred by expiation because the Prophet ﷺ said whoever makes a vow to obey Allah then must obey him as to the oath <coughs> the person has the choice between executing that executing what he uh, swore upon or relinquishing that and offering instead an expiation as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said whoever makes an oath and finds something other than that to be good so let him do that which is good and expiate for his oath and expiate for his oath and in another narration let him expiate and do that which is good the fourth difference is that generally the fulfillment of the vow is praiseworthy meaning the person is praised for fulfilling his vow in general however concerning the fulfillment of the oath then it is in accordance with the nature of the oath the fulfillment could be the fulfillment of the oath could be forbidden unlawful it could be praiseworthy and it could be an obligation so for example if he says wallahi la usalli al-jama'a by allah i will not pray the congregational in congregational prayer in the congregation then fulfilling this is forbidden and if he says by allah wallahi i will make the prayer in the congregation then the fulfillment is is what i'm asking you then the fulfillment is mandatory yes yes <coughs> now if he says wallahi by allah i will pray the sunnah of duha the duha sunnah of prayer this is what huh? this is praiseworthy this is praiseworthy that's right mustahab it is from the strange or yes the strange matters of knowledge the vow is from the strange matters of knowledge why remember the foundation which we studied in the basic principles and foundations we studied a foundation, a great foundation, that the means take the same rulings as the aims. Remember that? Remember that? The foundation. The means take the same rulings as the aims. Now, vows is from the strange matters of knowledge. 
this, the issue of the vow is an exception to this foundation. Why? Because in origin, it is makruh, it is strongly disliked, while fulfilling it is obligatory, right? In case it is an obedience, right? Are you following? And according to the majority opinion, it is strongly disliked, but of course the fulfilling of it is an obligation. Okay. Now, if we go by the foundation, then we will say that the fulfillment is disliked, because the means are disliked. You understand? You understand? Now you see why this is from the strange matters of knowledge, meaning that this is an exception to the foundation. The vow is an exception of this foundation. Is that clear? Now, what are the types of vows? The types of vows. The first type, the Arabic for thou is another, another. First one is another mutlaq, the general vow. It is the person who makes it does not name anything, and it is not like. It is not intended to uh, bring a benefit nor toward a harm. He says, I vow to Allah. And he didn't say, I vow to Allah a charity, I vow to Allah a, a dutiful zakah to be given to such and such. I, 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 I vow to Allah a, a prayer, a fasting. Nothing. The expiation for this vow is the same as the expiation for the oath. The expiation for this type of vow is the same as the expiation for the oath. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ نَظَرَ نَظَرًا وَلَمْ Whoever makes a vow but does not name it, فَكَفَّارَتُهُ Then its expiation, كَفَّارَةُ Yamin is an expiation of a yameen, of an oath. And this is reported by Ibn Majah and At-Tirmidhi, and At-Tirmidhi authenticated it, and its origin is found in Sahih Muslim. The second type of vow is the permissible, النَّذْرُ mubah the permissible vow meaning he makes a permissible vow like I make a vow to Allah to put on this cloth uh, putting on a cloth is permissible I make vow to Allah to ride this car the ruling of this is the same as the ruling of the oath the same as the oath so here, he has the choice between executing this vow or expiating the expiation for an oath. Are you following? Is that clear so far? The third type is another al-makruh. Another al-makruh. The disliked vow. He makes a vow to make something disliked, like a divorce, for example, uh, like eating uh, onions, uh, like uh, traveling alone. In this case, he has the choice. 
between executing his vow and or rather or expiating the expiation of an oath however not executing it takes precedence over executing it because it is makruh because it is disliked the fourth type of vows the fourth type is the nadr of al-lujaj wa raf'u as-sawt the vow by way of raising one's voice due to anger what is intended by this is like in case of quarrel or something or for case in cases of inciting himself to do something or lying or uh, to make himself believed or um, to prevent something or belying someone not lying, belying someone like for example if I don't do this and so he wants to incite himself for example to go to Mecca if I don't do this then I have a vow to Allah to slaughter a cow or in case someone tells him that Zaid arrived <laughs> he said no he didn't then the other says if Zaid did not arrive then I have a vow to Allah to fast a day or one week so in this case he is inciting to be believed this person under this situation he has only choice either he executes his vow or he doesn't and if he doesn't he expiates the expiation of and of the, fi- the fifth type is nadrul ma'asiyah the nether of disobedience he says I, have, I make a vow to Allah to drink uh, alcoholic beverages or to steal the wealth of some such and such here it is forbidden for him to carry on and he expiates the expiation of an oath because the Prophet وسلم, said in the hadith Man nadara an Allah fala whoever makes a vow to disobey Allah should not disobey him and it is reported from Abi Dawood and there is a kafara expiation of an oath upon him the sixth type is the type of obedience he makes making a type of obedience the nether of obedience and this has three types to it three types to it that it is made in relation to uh, a benefit uh, sought or reward or uh, harm warded off For example, someone loses money or he has an ill person, ill relative and he says, if Allah um, heals or cures my relative or uh, 
brings back my returns to me my property or wealth then I make a vow to fast 10 days for for Allah so Allah returns his wealth to him uh, and wards off the harm of his relatives so this in this case uh, it's a must to fulfill this vow the fulfillment is obligatory the second type of this type of this uh, kind is to make a vow of obedience the origin of this obedience is not in the Sharia like for example saying I make a vow to Allah to make i'tikaf seclusion in a mosque the seclusion is not obligated in the essence of Sharia it's not obligated now the ruling on his vow is that it should be executed And the third is to make a vow of obedience without a related cause. Without a related cause. And to begin with, the ruling is to fulfill it. It should be fulfilled. Now, if a person makes a vow of obedience, but fulfills it in a different manner, in a different manner. Example, if he says, I make a vow to Allah to fast the next uh, Thursday, but he didn't. So what's upon him? First, make up. Making up. And then, expiating the expiation of an oath. The makeup is set in order to fulfill his vow. Now the expiation as an expiation for an oath because he did not fulfill it according to the original manner. And that's why when a woman made a vow to go for Hajj uh, barefooted the Prophet sallallahu uh, commanded her to ride and to walk and to expiate the expiation of an oath because why? because she uh, had a different manner of the original state of the vow also if someone makes a vow to fast uh, several number of days should in his fulfillment have them in uh, succession or not so for example he says I make a vow to Allah to fast one month to fast one month the answer it is not obligatory to have it in succession except if there is a condition or an intention or there is indication for the obligation in successfulness or in succession rather like if he says I make a vow to Allah to fast 10 days that are in succession one after the other or he says to Allah I make a vow to fast 10 days and he intends in his heart to have them one after the other in this case it is obligatory to have them in succession or in case there is evidence for that as if in the case he says to Allah I make a vow to fast the first week of the month of Rajab the first week of the month of Rajab here there is and it's, it's a must that he fasts the seven uh, consecutive days 
because uh, it's not going to be he, he's not going to meet what he said as to fasting the first week unless they are a day after the other now if case he says to Allah I make a vow to fast the month of Muharram here also it's an obligation to have them in succession however if he says to Allah I make a vow to fast a month here it's not obligatory upon him to make it in succession so if he fasts a month of 30 days or 29 days it is of, it is correct because the month when it is generalized refers to that which is in succession or uh, interrupted now if he makes a vow to perform a worship on a certain matter or on, in a certain manner can he change the manner example in cases if he changes it to that which is more perfect then there is no harm then there is no harm if he changes it to a state that is lesser then if he does this if he fulfills that then he expiates the expiation of an oath like for example if he says to Allah I make a vow to pray two rak'ah sitting but he prays them standing then this is no harm because this is more perfect but if he makes it the other way around then it is not sufficient and if he makes a vow to pray two rak'ah in the Prophet's masjid Prophet's mosque but he prays them in the Masjid al-Ka'bah in Mecca it's permissible but not the opposite all of this is based upon the hadith of Jabir concerning the man who said to the Prophet ﷺ I made a vow if Allah opens for you Mecca that I pray in Bayt al-Maqdis in Al-Quds in Jerusalem the Prophet ﷺ that he wanted to pray two rak'ah there the Prophet ﷺ said to him here meaning pray them here. The man repeated the same thing, and the Prophet ﷺ said, pray them here, ha-huna. Then he repeated it. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, sha'nuka idhan, it's up to you. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah concluded from this, that every means of nearness, an act of nearness, qurba to Allah, it is permissible to it changes it to that which is more perfect and better and more meritorious, but not to that which is lesser. Now, how about if it is changed to that which is equal? Then it is not permissible. This introduction of, about the vow now brings us to takes us to the subject matter of this chapter to make vow to other than Allah is an act of shirk like for example if he says to such and such I will offer a vow or I have a vow for this grave or the occupant of this grave or to Gabriel, to Jibril I make a vow to do such and such 
and he intends to draw nearer to them, and so forth. This is forbidden. This is an act of shirk. The difference between this vow and the vow which involves disobedience is that the vow to other than Allah, in principle, in origin, it is not for Allah. But the other one is intended for Allah, but it involves a disobedience. You see the difference between the two? Is that clear? Like if, for example, yes, if, for example, he says, to Allah I make a vow to do such and such from the acts of disobedience. You see here, the vow is to Allah, but the vow is as disobedience. You see that? You understand that? You see the difference now? But that to begin with, it is made to other than Allah. You understand the difference? In the type which is shirk, in principle, in origin, it is made to other than Allah. To draw nearer to them. Similar to this is to make a vow, to, to make an oath by Allah on something which is unlawful. In comparison, to make an oath by other than Allah. Like, for example, by saying, by Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Compare it with, Wallahi la'asruqan. By Allah I will steal. You see the difference now? And also the same. Here an oath on disobedience. And the other is an oath which involves shirk. You understand? So the first one is, is haram and the other is shirk. Why it is shirk? Because it is a worship to whom the vow is being made. And if it is a worship, then he has directed the worship to other than Allah. And so he falls in shirk. And this type of vow is not established in any way. And there is no expiation to it. Rather, it is shirk, ascribing partners to Allah in worship, which entails repentance. Like making an oath by other than Allah. If someone makes an oath by other than Allah, it is not established. It's invalid to begin with. And there is no expiation, no kafara. As with the vow of disobedience we learn that it is established but it is not to be fulfilled and there is kafara there is expiation you understand you understand clear huh mashallah four five six five what about the rest also in the case of the oath, making an oath by Allah on something haram, it is established and there is kafara, there is expiation. Then the author, rahimahullah, cited the verse in Surah Al-Insan, 76, verse 7. They are those who fulfill their vows and they fear a day whose evil will be widespreading. This verse is to praise the righteous. And their praise entails that it is an act of worship. And that the person is not praised nor uh, does he deserve 
the admittance to paradise except by doing that which is worship. And had the author followed it by the verse in Surah Al-Hajj 22-29, it would have been more clear. Then let them complete the prescribed duties for them. The command to fulfill indicates that it is worship. Because the worship are these acts which are commanded legally. Now, in what sense did the author uh, cite what he cited from 76 verse 7? They are also those who fulfill their vows and they fear a day whose evil will be widespreading. In what sense he directed this verse that the vow to other than Allah is from shirk? How did he come to this conclusion using this verse? You see, Allah in this verse praised them. Praise them, the righteous. And made that a cause to admittance to paradise. And it cannot be a cause of admittance to paradise except when it is worship. So this necessitates that directing it to other than Allah is shirk. Is that clear? Then he, the author, the author, rahimahullah, cited the verse in 2.270. وَمَا أَنْفَقْتُمْ مِنْ نَفَقَةٍ أَوْ نَظَرْتُمْ مِنْ نَذْرٍ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُهُ And whatever you spend for spending in sadaqah, charity, etc. for Allah's cause, or whatever vow you make, be sure Allah knows it. Here Allah conditioned, or Allah relates, this matter to his knowledge. This is evidence that this is a matter of recompense. There is recompense on it. Otherwise, we don't know the benefit uh, of informing concerning his knowledge except when it entails, when the matter entails recompense. And since it entails recompense, this indicates that it is worship. And that's why the author cited this verse. Then the author cited Hadith Aisha, the authentic narration of Aisha, whoever vows to obey Allah, then let him obey him, and whoever vows to disobey Allah, then should not this do so. Man nadara, whoever. Does this involve the child? Some said yes, others said no. It is not established from him because he is not uh, obligated. And so therefore he is exempted or excluded rather from this generalization of the hadith. Then whoever vowed to obey Allah, obedience is compliance to the command. This is obedience. Meaning you comply and agree to what Allah wants from you if He commands you. So the ta'a, obedience, is executing that which is commanded. And if He forbids you, then the obedience would be to keep away from what is forbidden. This is the meaning of ta'a, obedience when it comes alone. But if it is said ta'atun wa ma'asiya obedience and disobedience, then the obedience will be to do the command, execute the command, and the ma'asiya, the disobedience will be related to executing the forbiddance or what is forbidden. Then whoever vowed to obey Allah should do so. The generality of the hadith indicates that the hadith is general. It covers whether the vowed obedience 
uh, is of the wajib type, wajib kind, like salah, hajj, and or or that which is wajib, like teaching and so forth. But the generality of the hadith covers all uh, types of obedience. Also, it covers the type which we talked about, the type of obedience, the general one, which has no cause, like, لِلَّهِ عَلَيَّ أَنْ أَصُومَ ثَلَثَةَ أَيَّامِ To Allah I have a vow to fast three days, without any reason, without a cause. And anyone who makes a conditional vow, like, if I succeed, then to Allah I have a vow to make three days of fasting, also is included in this hadith. And anyone who uh, takes that out from the generality of hadith, uh, then it is... The, the generality itself stands as evidence uh, against their exclusion of it. So in this uh, chapter, we learned the following. We learned the meaning of vow, the linguistic and the legal. Also from this, we learned the ruling on the vow. And that the saying that it is haram, forbidden, is strong. And also we learned that the vow is of different types. And we learned the difference between the vow and the oath. And that we learned that the fulfillment of the vow is obligatory if it is an obedience. And that since it is a worship, then directing it to other than Allah is shirk. And that we learn finally that the vow of disobedience must not be fulfilled in accordance with the hadith. Whoever vowed to obey Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, he should do so, and whoever vowed to disobey him should not do so. This concludes the discussion on this uh, chapter. And inshallah, if we have this uh, chapter also to be uh, put under uh, important topics, under the topic of vows, uh, so that it can be a separate topic, then that, inshallah ta'ala, should be uh, useful for people. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. أستغفر الله العظيم